When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It would be very rare to find a Tumblr that would even be worth the cost of a $3.99 subscription. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. Today, we've got Allegra Frank, Slate's culture editor extraordinaire and all-around incredible person joining me in the studio. Hi, Allegra. Oh, hi. That's so nice. No one has ever complimented me, period, <laughs> let alone okay. so nicely I've like that. I definitely complimented you in the time we spent together. Why are you lying okay, on no air? One, no one else but you Okay, okay. I'll take that. Me. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'm so excited to have you here for like 27 different reasons, but the most important is that you are an expert on what we're discussing today, which is Tumblr. I did take Madison's absence as an excuse to do another Tumblr episode. Love it. I would like to clarify, however, that today's episode was actually inspired by an email from one of our listeners. Shout out to Michelle for proving I'm not the only one still obsessed with Tumblr. Michelle basically asked us to explain... What's up with the new monetization strategy over at Tumblr, which is called Post Plus, and which I must admit I actually didn't know much about before this email. At first glance, it kind of just looked like Patreon for Tumblr. Users can pay for access to premium posts by their favorite blogs, which kind of struck me as a good idea because Tumblr is one of the only social media platforms that just doesn't have a viable route to income baked into the site. But I was wrong. Mm. And so was Tumblr, because Post Plus (laughs) was immediately met with backlash that culminated with users going on a day-long strike on August 6th. Today, we're going to give you a brief rundown of Tumblr's long, sad history of attempting to make money. And what Post Plus and the response to it says about where the platform is in 2021. But first, we must establish our Tumblr bona fides. Allegra... (laughs) Tell me your history with Tumblr. Oh, boy. So I have had... I first got Tumblr in 2010. I just got an email saying it was my 11th anniversary. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it was right before senior year of high school, and my cool friend... She had just gotten into Tumblr and she was like, have you used Tumblr yet? And I was like, no, I've never heard of this. So she introduced me, immediately got obsessed with it. I mean, I mostly reblogged, but I also did a lot of original content, like screen caps from movies I was watching because in college I studied film. So I would like often take screen caps of like very aesthetic moments. Yeah, like you were done making the gift sets that I was yeah, reblogging. Exactly. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, this one got a thousand notes. Um, so I was really into that. I did a lot of like 
remember GPOY, GPOY, gratuitous oh picture of yourself? Oh, my God. Did a wow. Lot of- <laughs> you just unlocked a memory that I don't know yeah. I actually want to be unlocked. The original selfie, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> I did a lot of selfies. I did a lot of, like, sad girl posts about, like, my professor won't love me. And again, he ignored <laughs> me when I told him I loved him because he has a wife. Um, oh. <laughs> lots oh. of like, I had a crush on Tumblr. We, I had a weird Tumblr boyfriend. Like, yes, yes. Tumblr was just so much of my life. I lived exclusively on Tumblr. Okay, but I feel like you're you're missing a crucial point that yes. you revealed to me in a meeting, and I immediately <laughs> screamed, which is that you have your own tag on Tumblr, and it's not just a tag. Like a lot of people have name tags where they just put mm-hmm. their little ramblings. You have a you have a fandom on Tumblr. Yeah, so I love video games. I used to write about video games. I worked at Polygon.com. Like, so I started out on the internet as like a gaming person, mm-hmm. and on Tumblr too. I was like, I tweet, I post a lot about video games and like anime and all that kind of thing so a lot of the people who know me online know me as like a cute gamer girl or whatever and when I worked at Polygon they did a lot of videos um just like a big fandom around Polygon video personalities sprang up um so yeah there's a lot of gift sets of me now from those videos there's fan art of me. My Twitter icon is actually a fan art of me from oh some comics that someone did. <laughs> I am now looking at the Allegra Frank tag, and I'm just obsessed with the <laughs> fact that I can just go on here and see gifts of you rolling your eyes. Yeah, yes. A lot of that. Me saying, like, snarky things about games or snarky things about myself. What was 15-year-old Rachel like on Tumblr? Oh, God. <laughs> We're I'm unearthing. Ready. We're unearthing a lot of things right now. 15-year-old Rachel was very into aesthetics, very into mm-hmm. fandoms. I think that was the year I was really into Les Mis, but oh, not man. the book, the movie musical, the 2012 movie musical. Okay. I've never seen it live. <laughs> I've never read the book. <laughs> I had only watched the movie, and I was just like, oh, this is my shit. I was so into Les Mis. It was ridiculous. Like, I learned actually a lot about the book from the fandom because people would just talk about the book. So I have a weird amount of very specific knowledge of Les Mis having never read the book. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mostly used it for that. Used it for when I was into Supernatural. Have a lot of angsty diary posts from when I started college, and I was just like, I want to be a girl who reads Anna Karenina in a bookshop and falls <laughs> in love. <laughs> yeah, so I was using Tumblr mostly for like fandom stuff, for just pretty aesthetics. I also really used it for a lot of research mm-hmm. sociologically about race. Mm-hmm. There was just a lot of social justice blogs. It's really where I kind of came into my political leanings. I was raised in that kind of discourse, and you can actually hear about that discourse era in one of our old episodes with Dion Barry, who ran This Is White Privilege. I'll never be upset that I learned about those things on Tumblr, but there was a point in which the discourse was suggesting that Lord was anti-Black for having a song <laughs> called Royals that mentioned rappers like loving chain. It was, yeah. it, I was just, there was a point in which I was like, oh, Lord canceled for the song Royals, you know? Yeah. And so I, I'm, there were a lot of moments there. So those are my Tumblr bona fides. Right. Yeah. And you no longer 
because I I only go now to see if the Polygon fans are posting pictures. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> do you go on at all anymore, really? I don't really go on too much. It's funny because it's still in like the dock in my phone, like those four icons at the bottom of my phone, yeah, even yeah. though I never check it because I'm just like, this is such a big part of my life. Yeah. So this is our personal history with Tumblr. The actual history of Tumblr is nowhere near as interesting, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> it is as sad as my Tumblr was, though, I will say. <laughs> it was, it's as emo as our collective yeah. Tumblrs were. There's a lot of angst involved in this story. Yeah. So it was started in 2007 by two white men, mm. David Karp and Marco Arment. David Karp was Tumblr, Tumblr daddy. No, exactly. He's yeah. like, you know, like he's a recognizable face to people who were on Tumblr then. Mm-hmm. Like he was a big deal. He was. Yeah. And so he started this website because I actually think he had a really strong aversion to WordPress. And he wanted to create a blogging platform like WordPress, but that was more social. And so for a while, it was just all about sharing photos or art mm-hmm. or memes you could also create original blog or text posts. You could ask people questions. Because it was, like, so simple to spread things. And because it, it's microblogging, it's, you're not expected to write some long, highfalutin post alongside <laughs> of it, right? Like, yeah. you can post one sentence, and that can go viral. No, exactly. Yeah, I mean, some of the most famous Tumblr text posts that live in my mind forever are just one sentence. Yeah. Yeah. So these were, I would say, like, both the best and worst days of Tumblr. Yes, exactly. Like, following along with the completely site-wide drama or hysteria or even, like, funny memes Mm -hmm. um, was just as fun as, like, being in your particular fandom and, like, getting caught up in your fandom's, like, pick of the week, the joke du jour. like. Tumblr was so good at, like, creating this larger community feeling inside Mm -hmm. of the niche that you belong to. There was a controversy around a witch who dug up bones from a graveyard, Mm. which made its way from pagan Tumblr to all of Tumblr. (laughs) Yeah. And it was always super funny when, like, very niche drama made its way to the wider community because everyone would be like, what the fuck is going on? Why are you doing pagan Tumblr? No, exactly. You just be like, wait, I didn't even know this existed. And B, stealing bones from a graveyard? Yeah. (laughs) The bones? Yeah, no, exactly. And so I think no other site has quite replicated that ability to be able to, like, drill down on your very specific interests while Mm -hmm. also feeling part of, like, a giant generational meme. Right. Things kind of started going downhill, I would say, around 2012. Around 2012 is when things started to show its hand. It's like, oh, Tumblr is also a company. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's not just like a platform for me and my friends. No, exactly. Like there's like, I mean, and this is a story of so many tech companies where they build a kind of audience or user base and try to prove their profitability Mm -hmm. based off of that user base. But eventually it's going to have to be monetized for the actual site to make its way to success. Right. And so in 2012, they started adding in paid ads and sponsored content. Then in 2013, Yahoo bought Tumblr for a billion dollars. Tumblr was still, even though we hated paid ads, like there were still tons of people on Tumblr. It was Mm -hmm. like generating 
discourse outside of Tumblr. It was like a bellwether for what was popular. Like clearly there was there were intense fans of different franchises that like it made sense in a way that like oh a company would value it seeing that oh here's all this user data of things that we can try and market people but the thing is no one who has ever bought tumblr really knows how to monetize the audience and so then verizon bought yahoo and thus tumblr in 2017, it was still making no money. And then Daddy David Carp left. So everyone was just like, oh, shit, they're about to shut Tumblr down. Mm-hmm. And in a way, that's kind of what happened. Because in November 2018, Apple removed Tumblr from the App Store because they found child porn on the website. After Apple removed Tumblr from the App Store, Tumblr's reaction was not to just invest heavily in content moderation. It was to crack down on all explicit content. Mm -hmm. They instituted a blanket ban on all adult content, which was a huge driver of Tumblr traffic. In between October 2018 and April 2019, the web traffic dropped by a third, both in the United States and internationally, because specifically this ban on NSFW content. Right. So Automatic then buys it. And of course, people are again mad. Right. Tumblr was so behind from a functionality perspective that, you know, without the content that people wanted, without faith in the company anymore, and without any, like, features that on every other social media platform were just by, you know, available by default, there was really no real reason for people to gather on Tumblr anymore like they used to. Which... Brings us kind of to the present in that both of us have this kind of nostalgic view of Tumblr. Yeah. And in 2021, it's kind of hard to answer the question of what it is and why people are still there. But they very obviously still are. Right. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what Tumblr looks like now, how it's different from the Tumblr of our youth, one of the new ways they're trying to monetize and how it's being received by the notoriously monetization-averse Tumblr user base. Spoiler, it's bad. not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, we are back. And as we said before the break, neither me or Allegra are really on Tumblr much anymore. No. So Allegra had the incredible idea to ask her (laughs) thousands of followers why they might still be on Tumblr and what they get out of it in 
the year of our Lord and Savior 2021. A lot of people said they're on Tumblr because of the fandom communities, Mm. which a lot have died down or moved to other places like, you know, AO3 or Mm. Twitter. Mm, Yes, AO3. Rachel knows. I do love some AO3. Yeah. A lot of of fandoms have moved, but at the same time, like, there are people whose fandoms still do exist to some extent Mm -hmm. on Tumblr. Yeah, and you actually got a voicemail from one. Yeah, here's Patrana, a longtime Tumblr user, on what the site is like today. So I use Tumblr for fandom stuff, um, and I couldn't find the same sort of community on Twitter or Instagram or anywhere as I could on Tumblr. It's easy to find fans of things that you love and reblog pics, text posts, whatever. But yeah, it has changed since I was around. Um, like, I've been, like, at least kind of using it for the past 10 years. And I know there are a lot of young people on the site, but on my end, a lot of people I followed when I was younger who are still around, um, they're now my age and older. And it's just a nice experience to kind of commiserate about the Lord history of this place. And like kind of everyone is in the same boat of like, well, I have to be like semi-professional on my more public facing social media. And this is one that's not public facing. For the most part, people are like, I like that there are still memes and it's isolated. It's like insulated from the world, unlike something like Twitter. But also it's bad now. Like most people are kind of like, I am begrudgingly still here or I hate it now. Looking at my Tumblr from like 2015 is probably like the most well-rounded portrait of me as a person. Yeah. And I don't think I would get that if I was looking at like my TikTok as a 15-year-old because Somewhere in the back of your mind is a thought, I could make money from this. Right. And that was never an option on Tumblr. Right. And also, like, Tumblr isn't susceptible to the same kind of algorithms. Mm -hmm. Like, TikTok really seizes on the kinds of content you're Mm -hmm. watching to the extent that you're watching it, how long you're watching it. Instagram is very good at, like, picking up Mm -hmm. what kinds of content you're looking at. Tumblr is just like, you do you, we won't interfere because we don't know how. No, exactly. It's like not even like they're leaving you alone because they want to. They just genuinely don't know how to monetize (laughs) the experience. Which is the big issue. It is. Yeah. So speaking of monetization, we actually got another voicemail from Claudia, who's a popular Tumblr user and is part of the beta testing for the platform's new subscription model. Hey there, um, this is Claudia. I'm a beta tester for Tumblr Post Plus, and um, that means basically that, basically the way it works is that I I, I signed up in the back end saying that this is something I want to do, here's how much my subscription price is going to be, et cetera, et cetera, and the way it works is that on every post, um, I could just switch a little toggle that says, you know, this is for subscribers or this is for everyone. My experience with it so far has been interesting. So far, I haven't done that many posts. Right now, I'm not an artist. I'm not, I don't make gifts or anything like that. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm here for the funny haha jokes and I'm trying to use it for my longer posts and do like actual like writing and small essays. So yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. <laughs> so Post Plus was announced as all bad things on Tumblr announce, via a Tumblr staff post. And basically, it's Patreon for Tumblr, as I said at the top. It's a new tool that allows creators to make some of their posts exclusive to paid subscribers. And it allows people to theoretically support their favorite creators. It's completely optional. But so on one hand, when I first heard of Post Plus, 
My first thought was, this seems like a good idea. Creators who drive so much of Tumblr's traffic are getting shortchanged by the website. On the other hand, it does hint at the loss of the kind of free-for-all that has been Tumblr and puts it back into, like, the popularity contest. Everyone is trying to sell me something that is the rest of the internet. Right. This prompted almost immediate backlash. Quite literally, almost no one thought this was a good idea because a large portion of the user base thought that it would basically turn Tumblr into every other social media platform. So here's some... um, Typical text posts from people reacting to the Post Plus news. TBH, rather than existing bloggers turning their Tumblr into a Patreon, my guess is that staff is trying to entice influencers to come here. And honestly, that's so much worse. Then, I am so angry about Post Plus, I don't know what to do. This attempt to monetize online communities is a direct attack on the working class, and it needs to be said. (laughs) Which... Man, the nostalgia that hit me when I read that. I was just like, ooh, this is familiar. (laughs) Me in college trying to figure out, God, can I use incognito mode on every website? (laughs) No, exactly. It's like, fuck the New York Times for needing more money. (laughs) Uh, A lot of blogs pop up, like your fave hates postplus.tumblr.com <laughs> which literally just photoshops various people's faves onto a background with the Post Plus logo and a giant red X which I love Tumblr so much. <laughs> and then of course there's postplusprotest.tumblr.com which organizes this August 6th strike which I mean Allegra you've, you've been on Tumblr you've seen these kind of blackout strikes before. Mm-hmm. It's people basically log off for a day in hopes of fucking with Tumblr's revenue which I don't think is how that works right it's like you know when you're a unionized workforce (laughs) and you go on strike from work like that's one thing but if you're a website with millions of users at most like how many people are gonna go like a thousand users like it's not gonna make a difference i kind of appreciate that people did this honestly even though i think it's so silly that they did this (laughs) because like tumblr has always been prone to drama (laughs) in this kind of way And so you were saying before, like, monetization averse. And this is the first time. It's one thing if there's, like, SpawnCon on your dash, like, ads. You know, that kind of thing is inevitable. But this is, like, the clearest attempt that Tumblr has made since, you know, it started, really, to be like, hey, we know no one is making money off of this. We're mm-hmm. really going to start trying no, exactly. to make money. Which makes it so funny to me that so many people are so averse to it and that obviously Tumblr's probably going to take a cut of any kind of subscriber revenue you get. But one of the biggest sticking points is not really the money in pockets argument. Mm-hmm. It's that Tumblr is opening people up to legal liability. Right. And so the argument goes, and this is the argument people are saying on Tumblr. This is not necessarily true. I just want to <laughs> ma- make sure I'm stating that I'm just summarizing an argument that is very common on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. The argument goes that fan works are only legal from a copyright slash trademark perspective if they're transformative, which means that they're not just reposting a gift set. They are like original in some way mm-hmm. and also free. Which is why, for example, Archive of Our Own, AO3, prohibits users from linking like Patreon or Venmo or Kofi in their bios. Mm. If users start putting a fanfic behind a paywall on Tumblr, you're theoretically now monetizing IP that isn't yours, which means Disney could 
sue you for your Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie fanfic. (laughs) And so this is quite literally the the kind of starting point behind the August 6th strike. Mm -hmm. And so I was really curious, having kind of come to this strike late, if these concerns were actually valid. Because at first blush reading them, my immediate thought was, oh, yeah, you aren't really supposed to be able to make money off of derivative works. And that's a huge kind of sticking point in copyright law. But the thing about digital copyright law and fair use is that so much of this is being written as we speak Mm -hmm. because the internet moves so fast that most court cases haven't actually caught up to where we are. Right. And also... I love Tumblr, but they also tend to dramatize shit, and none of them have legal degrees. So (laughs) I was just like, I really want to see what's going on here. So I reached out to several lawyers. First, I reached out to Alexandra J. Roberts, a professor of trademark and entertainment law at the University of New Hampshire. She told me, this is mostly a copyright issue, so I can't really help you much. But from a trademark perspective, it doesn't actually seem like it would cause that much trouble. Heidi Howard Tandy, an intellectual property lawyer at Berger Singman, said, and I quote, the only succinct answer to a question like this is, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She says, under current copyright case law, it seems unlikely that a user could be sued for creating GIFs or fan works that are freely shared, even if others have subscriptions or other fees attached to access to their fan works. So, Basically saying Post Plus doesn't really seem to open up any more legal liability than you were opened up to by creating the fan work in general. Cristelia Garcia says, The Post Plus feature introduced by Tumblr has absolutely no impact whatsoever on whether a fan will be dinged for copyright infringement. This is a misinterpretation of the law that appears to have spread among creators, as misinformation tends to do. Nothing to see here, folks. (laughs) Nice. Which... Like, so far, so good. It really seems like this is overhyped. Right. But two other lawyers who I spoke to said something just a little bit different. Jessica Silby, who's a law professor at Boston University, said, fan fiction and fan work is kind of always risky in terms of copyright liability. And the question basically comes down to whether it's fair use, which is really what this entire argument is built on. Mm. She said, this new platform arguably hurts the fan work creator in the fair use calculation, but commercial use is not fatal for fair use. The last lawyer I spoke to is Cathay Wyan-Smith, a law professor at the University of Montana, who basically said, if the unauthorized use of a piece of intellectual property was commercial, that factor can weigh against fair use. It does not automatically mean the unauthorized work is not fair use, but it's usually an easier argument to make if the unauthorized use is not commercial, not for profit. She said she's pretty sure copyright owners are already aware of what's happening on Tumblr and that copyright owners can choose not to enforce copyright for any reason. But should creators start en masse, begin monetizing fan works that are derived from copyrighted works, it could attract the attention of copyright owners and potentially encourage them to more aggressively police and protect unauthorized derivatives or reproductions of their copyrighted works. And so she makes a good point, which is even if a Tumblr creator 
has a good legal argument for fair use, it's easier and cheaper for them not to go against a large corporation. Mm. So they don't even have to sue small creators. They can just request them to take it down and the average person is going to look at the amount of resources like Disney has (laughs) and not want to go up against them in court. Yeah, you're not going to be like, well, I could either not go to court with Disney or I could go to court with Disney. I'm going to go to court with Disney. No, exactly. It's like you really have to want to go to court for (laughs) you to not just take it down. Right. So in sum, it really does seem like a lot of the backlash to Post Plus is somewhat overhyped. If you are one of those people who thinks, oh, this is anti-working class like that post, then just don't sign up for it. Like, it doesn't seem like the Tumblr ecosystem supports this very well. So Post Plus does seem kind of dumb. But it is also like all the the fury about it. The backlash is a little bit over-dramatized. I mean, yeah, there's this really actually interesting generational divide in the response to Post Plus Mm -hmm. in that there are... People like us who are on the older side, which makes (laughs) me want to fucking vomit. Yeah. And then there's the kind of seemingly younger folks who organized the August 6th strike. Mm -hmm. And on the older side are people basically saying things like, actually, Tumblr should pay me for sticking around this long, (laughs) which is hilarious and objectively true. Yes. Or this post from Calypso Lemon, which I think kind of perfectly sums up the divide. Mm Mm-hmm. They say, in quotes, stop Post Plus from happening, fill out the survey, sign this petition, do a logout protest. And then they go on, listen, I've been here since 2011. That's not how <laughs> anything on this website works. Whether or not you do these things, Post Plus will stay, make little to no money for the website because nobody uses it except self-important funny man bloggers <laughs> and Instagram influencer wannabes and slowly degrade as lack of maintenance from an underpaid staff brings it to complete obsolescence. Let nature run her course. (laughs) The smartest take on this, honestly. No, exactly. I mean, again, I felt like a little old lady sitting on the porch laughing at the kids these days because I was just like, if no one uses Post Plus, it's going to disappear. Tumblr is not going to maintain this weird feature that no one seems to fucking want. Right. So organizing a strike over it, which I find, again, endearing, like collective power, we love a union. (laughs) But it's also just like, I've been around the block enough times that staff has introduced weird features that Mm -hmm. everyone hated and then immediately just disappeared. Yep. And so it's like, again, yeah, let let nature run her course. Right. But, you know, if Disney does send you a takedown notice because you put their copyrighted gift set behind a paywall, hit me up. I'm not going to pay your legal fees, but I would like to know what's happening. (laughs) All right, that's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so definitely subscribe. It, it is actually free. And the best way to never miss an episode. Please leave a rating and review an Apple podcast and tell your friends about us on Tumblr, on Twitter, on TikTok, IRL, in the club, anywhere really. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions or your memes or your gift sets or your favorite fan pairing. You can also always drop us a note at icymi at slate.com. Who knows? We might answer your question on the show. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. 
Our supervising producer is Derek John. Forrest Wickman and Allegra Frank, that's me, are our editors. Gabe Roth is editorial director of audio. See you online, Rachel. Or in the courtroom. When you're trying to be nice and you're following Mm -hmm. this guy who does that and this guy who does that and you're like, I don't even like these people. Yes. Yes. You don't do that on Tumblr. No. Oh, oh, God. The thought of my coworkers being able to see my Tumblr is horrifying. Yeah. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.